Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. I want to give a very warm welcome to Sean Clark. Sean is the founder and CEO of High Level, a white label marketing platform for agencies. He and his team work with over 15,000 agencies to grow their businesses by utilizing their one-stop software platform that allows clients to use live collaboration tools within the system. Sean and his team work to offer a custom set of products perfectly catered to each agency they work with to help gain quick and lasting revenue. Today, Sean and I are going to be chatting about how the future for agencies is to be a technology solution provider that works hand-in-hand on helping their clients grow their brands. We'll learn what works from Sean's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Sean, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'd love to start off always by having our listeners learn a little bit more about you. How did you get to here today? Wow, that's a good question. So it's been quite a journey. We haven't been around for that long now. We've been about four years. We started off with, I had a prior SaaS company that was selling to small businesses and I kept asking them what they wanted more than what we were doing. We're in the accounting space, super exciting. And they kept saying we wanted more customers. I'm a software engineer. So I thought, well, maybe I could write some code for that. So we wrote sort of version one. We started selling it to our existing base of customers and they loved the demo. They would use it for about two weeks and then they would cancel. I take those things kind of personally. I got kind of sad. So I would ask people like, what's wrong with you? You know, what's your deal? You said it was great. And they would all say the same thing. They would say, you know, it is great. And we see the value, but we just don't have time to learn it. So, you know, it was a really crazy crossroads moment where I sort of thought everything was going to fail. Lucky for me, I got a call from a marketing agency who got on the phone with me and they happened to be working with one of our co-customers at the time. And it was a real eye-opener because not only did they understand the technology, but they had the time and ability to actually implement it. And really, they ended up buying it for all 80 of their clients, introducing us to a bunch of agencies they knew. And it really opened our eyes to the fact that marketing agencies and you know marketing consultants make a huge difference in the lives of their customers and really are the sort of secret sauce behind most small businesses who are successful. So you really got to get out of jail card. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that marketing agency, we had, there were two original co-founders that the CEO of that marketing agency is our third co-founder now. So, you know, we, we sort of said, thank you for that. He's like, I see the vision. I'll help you on your way. Totally got it. He gave us the right answers. That's awesome. So, you know, obviously you started building this tool and the software to solve your own problems. And along the way, how did you discover what other solutions were needed? Was it just through talking to clients and coming up with those solution needs? Yeah, absolutely. So we sort of think of ourselves as product people and engineers. Early on, we put a Facebook group together. We put our customers in there and we just listened. And we have an ideas board where people can put ideas up and vote them up. And we've really just used that same formula to rinse and repeat for the last four years. And today we're at 15,000 marketing agencies serving half a million small businesses. So it's worked out pretty well. If you had to tell your younger self, your alternative self, or just one of our listeners who's also interested in going into software development because they think they have a cool thing that would solve their own problems, what would you suggest they do? Gosh, I got two pieces of advice. One is start as early as possible 
because I think you can sort of tell yourself, you know, you need to learn this or that or do this or that. But the sooner you sort of start out and get going, the faster you're going to learn along the way. But the other thing is, I mean, speaking of my younger self, I'm an engineer. So I always think, well, if I just have this one feature or this one thing to add, all everything else will work out. But I think the biggest thing to think about in software is distribution. So how are you going to get your product, even if it's amazing and superior in this way or that way, how are you going to communicate that to the market en masse? And how are you going to get around highly funded competitors who can buy ads on Google and Facebook and everything else? And how are you going to sort of like surmount that challenge? Because no matter what you create, that will be your biggest challenge, at least in software. Because you're competing against HubSpot, you're competing against Salesforce, you're competing against like the juggernauts out there right now. Absolutely. And so how do you, how do you, like, how do you actually figure out how to compete against that space? And obviously you have figured it out if you have over 15,000 agencies signed up. Yeah, absolutely. That's just to begin with. I mean, we're going to crush those other guys because fundamentally what they do and what we figured out is most businesses, I would say that we focus on, which are, I would say small and medium, which is the vast majority of them. Their biggest thing is they don't lack for skill or talent or anything else. They lack for time. And so what they need that larger companies have in spades is they need people who have the time and ability to learn these different products and technologies and implement them for them kind of while they're on the run doing what they do, being a plumber, being a lawyer, being a doctor. But if you look at the way that market exists today, at best, the sales forces and the HubSpots, they call them partners. But basically, it just means that they'll use the agency to get to the customer. They'll sell their product through the agency onto the customer. And if the customer leaves the agency vendor doesn't care because fundamentally they still keep the customer. We're a totally different beast. So we white label the product. We allow our agencies to sell under their name, not our name. So at no point do we expose our brand because what we truly want to make sure that business understands is that that agency is the key piece to their success, not the software doing the work for them, right? Software is just a tool. It's a hammer, it's a saw, but if you don't have a competent professional to be there to help run it, you're not going to do well. So you need that agency. And so we've approached the market that way. And I think it's led to a lot of success for us. So are you saying like with a HubSpot, as an example, if there's an agency running HubSpot programs for one of their clients, mm -hmm. if that client then says, yep, this agency is not working out, I'm on my way. Sure. They really get to take all of their stuff with them when they leave because they're signed up individually with HubSpot, right. not through the agency. So the agency does not have really control over that relationship. No, and what's worse is that this happens constantly because what happens is the agency comes in, pours their heart and soul and all their knowledge and experience into the software and makes magic happen. But when the customer sees it, they see the bill from HubSpot or whoever, and then they see the bill from the agency and the software is always the cheaper bill. And so then they think, well, that's the one I'm keeping. Besides, it's doing all the work. And then they just totally get it wrong. And there's always this perverse incentive to head out the door. So when you allow the agency, in our case, to white label and resell so they get to charge for the software. It's not that people still don't cancel services because this happens all the time, but they keep paying for the software. It's very sticky. But in our case, the agency gets the revenue for the software, not us. Mm -hmm. And they don't know our brand. They know the agency's brand. And so it keeps the agency as a vendor, even on the software side, which honestly is just a game changer for the agency because it's very good recurring revenue. And it's just a more honest way to approach the market versus trying to tell a small business, look, go buy this expensive piece of software. It's going to change your world. It's not going to change your world. You need to know actually how to run it and how to set it up. And you don't have time. You're a plumber, you're a lawyer, you're a dentist. Go out and hire a competent marketer to help you. 
And so these types of software tools, are they a better solution for service providers who wear multiple hats like the doctors, the lawyers and that versus a corporate business or is it really treated the same? We have at 500,000 SMBs, we have almost anything you could imagine. So we have big sales teams, we have insurance, we have real estate, we have plumbers, doctors, lawyers, you name it. We have coaches, course creators, all of the above. And so I think it's less about the tools. In fact, I think this is really an interesting insight. There's a lot of ubiquity in the feature sets, meaning from one product to another, the actual functionality is really very similar. It is about the expertise that's injected by the professional almost more than it is about the tool itself. And then the other thing is those tactics that work today will not work next month or a quarter from now. So having a professional who's always on top of those tactics and being able to change them up and then give them over to you, you know, kind of turnkey is incredibly powerful. What are the base programs, like the base elements that you think someone needs to have within their marketing arsenal? Because I mean, obviously, if I look at our password board to all of the different things that we have subscriptions to, it's insane. I mean, it's well over a hundred long of all the different things and widgets and this and that and plugins and Cloudflare and whatever it might be. Absolutely. What are the core basics? And not necessarily like you need this companies and this software, but like the work magics and not work magic either, because that is also a company, (laughs) but the actual, the widgets, the do's, what are the foundations that someone needs to market? So I think about it as capture, nurture, close. So what you need is some way to capture leads. And so, and this can come in different forms for different businesses. Some are, you know, free, some are, you know, you could pay for leads on Facebook or Google, but you could also just have a really great Google My Business set up, whatever it is, but driving them someplace where you can actually capture a lead. A lot of people make the mistake of driving to like their corporate website and they've got about us and they've got like all these distracting sort of things. When in reality, they're like a plumber and all you really need is like, click here to chat with us, click here to book a call. So you need some easy way to capture a lead. It could even just be a form, but you need a very concise ability to capture. A lot of people have figured out it's the next step where everything breaks down. So the nurture step is the place where people just get crushed. So a lot of people, let's say, will go out and buy Facebook ads and those will generate lead. And then what they won't do is they won't get back to the lead within five minutes because again, they're busy, right? They're on the roof, they're in the house, they're at the courthouse, whatever it is. But what you need there is automation. So you need a system where the lead comes in and in five minutes or less, you're texting, you're emailing, you're calling, and you're saying, hey, do you want to, and it's almost always the same thing, do you want to book an appointment? Because either I'm coming to you, you're coming to me, or we're going to meet in the middle like like a Zoom call, right? But that piece, that nurture piece almost always breaks down because people don't act quick enough. And it's impossible to do. I mean, that's you know, I can say they don't do it, but there's no way to do it. It's an impossibility. So what you need is automation. And that's where you need to automate a booking onto a calendar and get that person confirmed. So then you can take them down to that next step, which is kind of that close step where most people are really good at that, right? You're a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. Someone comes to see you, you go to see them. You're generally able to sell your services, but it's that nurture step where people need the automation badly. So it's capture, nurture, close. And I think even when you're saying that capture, nurture, close, that for a lot of those people who might not be in the service provider business of those types, there's a longer tail there that you need to nurture again before oh, the absolutely. close will happen so that you just, it helps so much. Like I can't say how much it's helped us with the software we've used where on, we have a blog that goes out to, you know, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people every week. 
anyone we pitch, anyone we talk to gets enrolled in it so that we're constantly having that newsletter just touch them very quietly behind the scenes over and over and over again. I can't say how often that we get calls with someone saying, it's just so funny. Your newsletter came in at the perfect time while I was thinking about building this campaign. Absolutely, yeah. And it keeps you in front of people so that totally. Dri- there's an awareness. Your, your email newsletter is awesome. Yeah. Doing Even doing retargeting, you know, some of the cheapest ad space you can buy is retargeting. Somebody comes to your website, you hit them with the Facebook pixel, the Google pixel, and all of a sudden you can follow them around the internet and they'll say, oh my gosh, you know, it's crazy. I saw you the other day on CNN.com. How is that possible? That must mean you're big time. So I decided to go with you, right? These are really, really, really inexpensive things that businesses can do. And, you know, they sound really sophisticated. And I think when you first do them, they feel very hard, but honestly, over time, they're very easy, but this is, you know, these are those tactics and techniques that sort of shift and change over time. And so diving into those tactics for those who want to know, what are other things people could be doing that you think are like savvy ways to grab those leads and turn them into clients? I mean, again, one of my favorites, like it's always simple stuff, like missed call text back. How many businesses do you call that don't pick up the phone? (laughs) Tons. Well, how many of them, you know, automatically text you back and say something like, oh, sorry, we're on the other line. Do you need to book an appointment? None. Right. But if they did that, isn't that why you called them? You didn't call the chat. You didn't call to see how they're doing. They're not your friends. They're not your family. They're a vendor that you're potentially thinking about using. That's a great technique in order to get somebody. And again, employ automation to try to help bring that person down to the next logical step, which oftentimes is what they wanted to do anyways, which is why they called. How do you feel about chatbots? Well, we do web chat, but we do it in a different way. So I think bots are terrible because I always ask people, have you ever chatted with a bot that you like? (laughs) And they always say no. Only if it gets me to a real person. Precisely, right? And so what we do is our chat, the way it works is it basically takes the conversation and turns it into an SMS conversation. Because what we know is that that business owner is not going to be there. And everyone loves to talk about web chat, but it's been around for eons. And the reason it's never worked is because it lacks that 10 second response time from a real person. And until that changes, which it never will, you're not going to get anywhere. So we turn it into an SMS conversation. So two hours later, I can get back in your pocket and we can keep conversating. And that has worked out so fantastically for our customers. We tried doing a web chat once and our tech stack guru at our team was like, this is it. This is going to be so great. Everyone hated her for a little while because everyone was supposed to be glued to their computers waiting for that call to come in. And it never failed. Whenever someone would come in to us, like someone would be getting a glass of water, going to the bathroom, being on another call. It just never worked. And we'd get hate emails to us about how horrible we were and the fact that we weren't there to respond. Now, mind you, they were never our ideal customer who was doing that. So I realized that we were getting a lot of people that I didn't care about on our website. That, that was a good clue of that. And they were angry people, but it was a good lesson that if you have something automated, you need a true automation versus relying on people. Yeah, absolutely. Or you need to, you know, or don't position it in a way that makes me feel like I'm going to get immediate help because I think you're setting up an expectation that's going to fail. And of course, I'm going to be frustrated. Even your good customers who didn't, you know, good potential customers, they didn't send you hate mail. They just went somewhere else and said, ah, this is not on their game. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or they called us. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, that's why we did the web chat the way we did it. We felt like that was a great way because a lot of times the other thing we ran into is just, it's a way to shortcut bad website design. People have so many links and too much going on. 
but you know, they don't want to pay to redesign their website, but you throw the chat widget on there and everybody gets what that is. They go to use it and then bam, you set that expectation. Hey, we'll text you back. And then that, that you can get back to them kind of when you can, and they don't feel let down. It becomes asynchronous. It's a great way to close deals. Was there anything else that you think is like a really good way that marketers should be incorporating technology? I think the retargeting ads are still huge. It's funny to think about how old of a concept that is and yet how many people don't know what it is and all of that and, and don't use it, right? But you know, if I come to your website and I read your blog, you better be retargeting. I mean, it's nuts that you don't, right? If, if you don't use that technique because maybe I didn't fill out the form yet. Maybe I haven't you know, taken that call to action yet, but you should be surrounding my world with content and reminders of how great you are because fundamentally attention spans being what they are, you need to catch my attention and keep my attention everywhere I go. And gosh, now that you can reach me basically on any website I visit, it's pretty powerful. And then, so what are some of the mistakes people make along the way? My favorite topic. Like, sure. Yeah. I mean, besides um, having a web chat that no one is actually monitoring. Well, it depends on who you are. So if you're a small business, I think the thing people try to do is they try to think about marketing like a side gig or like a hobby or something. They try to do it in conjunction to what they normally do. And I think that's a big mistake. I mean, I think that most people would say that their businesses aren't side gigs, they're full-time jobs. And so I think, you know, you need to respect the fact that it's kind of like doing your own bookkeeping. Like, the joke is always, you know, people who try to do it, they get end up with like a box full of receipts or whatever, right? And ultimately, real businesses have bookkeepers, have accountants. I think real businesses also have marketing marketers and marketing agencies assist them. Now, on the agency side, I think the big thing is making the mistake of just being a service provider. Mm -hmm. I mean, fundamentally, it seems like that's how it, it has certainly traditionally done that way. But if you think about yourself being a solution provider, really trying to solve a problem for your clients, realize that services are a component but so is technology. And if you're not bringing both of those to the table, you're not providing a full solution to your customer. And so I think that's a big part of where service providers fall down. I also think they bring in third parties where there's no control, no revenue for them often, or very little. And they really lose control of trying to, again, put that solution out in the world. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that we see them make. Well, I think with a lot of agencies too, they position themselves as service providers. And, you know, you're talking about being able to also position as the technology provider, but then exactly. there's also the strategy provider that everyone forgets about, which is really the meat to an agency. You know, Absolutely. yes, you can find someone overseas to do most of the services that an agency does. Yep. But are you going to find someone with the brains and the smarts to do it for your brand in the right way for you? And that's the big difference. And that's, I think, what a lot of agencies tend to forget on how to position themselves. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And again, the client wants an outcome, right? They don't know or care. They just want to trust that you can do it. And that's what you should focus on. It doesn't even matter how you do it because you maybe you use a fleet of people overseas to do menial tasks or whatever, but the, the outcome is what matters to your customer, not all the details. And I think the more you can focus around the fact that they're looking for that outcome and you price to that outcome, and honestly, you are prescriptive in that outcome and you're the professional telling them what they need to do or how you do it, that's the better way to go because then you're confident they can trust that you know what you're doing and they're not having to constantly like work with you, talk to you, debate with you, and you don't have to do the debate with them. You can just say, listen, this is how it works. This is how we achieve these results. So this is what we're going to do. And you have a proven process in place. Bingo. And that's what you should have, right? I mean, from one plumber to the next plumber, the variance there should be very little, right? 
maybe it, it varies on the minor details, but for the majority of what you're doing, it should be formulaic to get those same results. Because these are big markets we're talking about, full of tens of thousands, of not millions of consumers, depending on how big your city is. And so there's a lot of room there for you know one plumber or another plumber. I mean, if you're doing your job right, you should actually be able to overfill most small businesses' calendars very quickly. So it's like, you know, even if you could give them more business, they just can't take it. So that's really the goal I think you should be setting for yourself. What a horrible problem for a company to have that they have to expand to keep up with their sales potential. Yeah. I mean, that's precisely what it should be. And then they really ought to be thinking about those things. And this is actually where I think people don't, you know, small businesses tend not to think like, oh, well, I'm going to try to do marketing. It's like, yeah, but what about all the operations? Like no one else can do that but you, right? No one knows the business that you do the way you do. And when you do expand, you do have to hire additional staff. Like who are they? What skills are they going to have? How do you know if they're good? Like no one's going to be able to do that like you can. And so that's the sort of thing that I think most business owners should keep their eye on. Sean, how can our listeners learn more about you, reach out to you, find you, all of that good stuff? I love our YouTube channel, actually. So just, you know, our Facebook group is open to customers only. We obviously have a free 14-day free trial on our website, that kind of thing. But I love the YouTube channel because it's not just about us. We also bring in a lot of people from outside in the marketing area um, and speakers and so forth. So go to YouTube, search high level. Obviously, you can go to gohighlevel.com and that sort of thing. So what do you say to agency owners like myself who are entrenched in the software we use. Like we are so bundled in, we're wrapped around. It is the sleeping bag that we haul around behind us at all times. It has all sure. of our data and it's like to unwind yourself. Like how do you even go about doing that? Totally, super easy. Stop thinking about yourself. Start thinking about your customers. The goal here is to create value for your customers. Your customers aren't you. They aren't as in-depth as you are. They aren't stuck in something, right? And so when you're thinking about, okay, wait, I want to bring this out to a customer because that's what we care about really is we, if the agency wants to stay in XYZ Salesforce or whatever, great, do that. But think about your customer. Do they need Salesforce? Do they need these really expensive enterprise level things? Probably not. So if you could give them an option that was scalable, that allowed you to scale, so you could put 20 people in there and very easily from your team's perspective, move in and out of accounts, uh, that would be a great solution for them and a great solution for your team. So at the end of the day, stay where you're at but for your customers, add this in and you can live in both worlds quite easily. Well, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been fantastic, really educational. Enjoyed our conversation. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Of course. And are there any last words of parting advice that you can share? Gosh, I think this is a fantastic time to be in this industry. Helping small and medium-sized businesses in your town or area be successful and grow is a pretty noble charge in my opinion. And they're all very much in need of help. So I think it's a great business to be in. Well, Sean, thank you so much again. I learned a lot. I appreciate it. I'm sitting here thinking about what we could actually do with some retargeting that we're not doing right now. So thank you for shedding some light on that one. And then to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you have any need for help with influencer campaigns or product placement in movies and TV shows and music videos where your brand can shine, make sure you reach out to us and I'll connect you with our team. Have a great one.